All right, so um, let's, let's, we're going to cruise through Exodus. So if you want to put your hand in Exodus, um, starting in chapter 1, uh, we're going to cruise through the first two chapters uh, pretty quick, I, I hope. Um, and we're going to land specifically on um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. That'll be our main text. And we're going to look at the, the life of Moses, or the early beginning of Moses. If we're going to call, have a, a title for this, it would be Moses Called. It's kind of a, I was thinking about the title, I was like, Moses Called. Hey, Moses Called. <laughs> oh, hey, Moses. And I will call him Mo, so I'm talking about Moses, same guy. Um, So the older I get, the more I want to, and and you guys can fill in the blank on your own, but for me, um, I want to know how God interacts with his people. I I, I like hearing um, people who uh, are believers and they, uh, they have a different you know, walk than mine. doesn't look exactly like mine. I like to hear how God kind of put him down that path. And um, I also like looking in the Word of God at these examples uh, and even other historical writings about people who have been called of God and just how God uniquely used them and, and for what reason he used them. And... Um, and kind of like, I don't know if you guys uh, like biographies, but like specifically how God speaks to people in a certain way and, and gets, gets their attention. Um, and that dialogue, I don't know, something about it, it just intrigues me because um, it, it's, it's neat. It's, it's, I don't know. I, it's, like, it's, it's almost like you're in someone's uh, prayer prayer closet, you know what I mean? Like, like, like you're sitting, sitting back when, you know, when people are just them and God talking and you get this glimpse of, of, of what they're talking to God about. Does that make sense? So anyway, so I like looking at those things. Um, I don't know if you guys are like that. And, and um, the Bible to me is, is uh, a great historical book, um, like no other book. And so, uh, I like I like to approach it that way. Like, okay, well, how did we get here, right? So if I if I if I just started an Exodus and I start explaining these things, maybe you guys have all the background knowledge, but I'm going to kind of bring us up to speed. Um, there's a there's a lot of things that are going on in uh, in the world today, and uh, some of the things I want you guys to focus on as as we're going through the study is. Um, just, 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 just consider that um, the end of end of time is winding down. Like I don't know if you guys know that, but we're we're definitely on a clock, right? And as as believers, it's exciting because we know that God's coming back soon. He's coming back for us, the church, His people, and and so that's exciting. But at the same time. God still has work he wants to do. There's still people who don't know Jesus. There's still people who are struggling and who are oppressed. So 
I like this story because um, uh, the, this, this, uh, this portion of the scripture. I'm going to put in the background a slide of the children of Israel. So where we start in Exodus, the children of Israel back in Genesis, because of a, a, a regional famine, severe famine, it, it caused one of the sons, and you can keep this up for a little bit while I talk about the background. It caused one of the sons to be in a place where he's going to save his family. So if you see 11, Joseph there at the bottom. So certain circumstances, well, we know what it was. It was God's hand, right? God's providence. Lead Joseph down to Egypt where he becomes uh, a type of savior for that whole region because of, uh, of God's hand in his life. And so that's how he gets down there, and then he invites his family down there. And the Bible says in Genesis uh, 46, verses 26 and 27, that there were 70 total family members. So you're, you're just seeing, you're just seeing the, the, the mom and the dad up top, right, the children of Israel or Jacob. Uh, and then you see the, their, uh, their 12 sons, but you don't see the wives and the other kids. So the Bible says there's 70 total that go down there. So that's, that's in Genesis. Also, the Bible says that um, God spoke to uh, Abraham back in Genesis 15, 13. And I'll, I'll read that to you. It says, Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will uh, afflict them 400 years. So they were there 400 years. So that group of 70 were there 400 years in Egypt. And that's kind of where the story begins. So if you take a look uh, in Exodus 1.6, that verse says, um, if you want to read with me, it says, and Joseph died, all his brothers, and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Sorry, I read verse 7 too. So it appears they, 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 um, the children of Israel were doing well, right? And there was a lot of them. So that's where Exodus starts. So what's the problem? The problem, we find, is in verse 8. And this one, I, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to read it. Would you guys... How do we do this? I'm going to read to the first comma. You guys take that the next portion, read that, and then I'll read the rest. It's a short verse. Can you guys do that? Okay, so it says, Then a new king, your turn, to whom Joseph meant nothing. Sorry, different versions. <laughs> this is not working out the way I had imagined it. I was like, oh, you know what? This will be really cool. I'll get them. No. No, it didn't work out. Let me try that one more time. I'm going to read it, okay? Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. So what's the, what's the instant thing that happens? The instant thing that happens is the guy who... Uh, the guy who would have known the history of the children of Israel... Joseph is one of those children. The king of Egypt, he's no longer around. 
And, and what does that mean? Well, it means that he doesn't know that Joseph was like the, he was the, a national hero, right? There was, there was the king, Pharaoh, in Egypt, and then Joseph. That's all that Joseph answered to. And so he had great power, and he delivered that, that nation along with a lot of different nations in that region. He was pretty important. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, this guy doesn't know him. He doesn't know who this Joseph is. Doesn't know the history. Maybe they didn't have enough papyri to, to write it. <laughs> so, so as Pharaoh looked out upon the children of Israel, he didn't see this, this, uh, this great mass amount of people that uh, were like a benefit to his society. Instead, he, he, he looked out and he, he saw uh, this great amount of people and he's like, who are these people? And we get a kind of a glimpse uh, in verse 7, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. It says, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiply, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. So the, the struggle is about to get real. If you read on in, in verses 8 uh, through uh, 14 uh, with me, it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are, all, are, are more and mighty, mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, let it, uh, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of, of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Python and Ramses. Uh, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread, this is the Egyptians, were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they... And they made their lives bitter and hard, bondage and mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. So in the eyes of the uh, Israel, in the eyes of, of the new king, are defined this way. In verse 9, more and mightier than we. And in verse 10, lest they multiply and it happen in the, in the event of a war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. So Israel became this, this kind of this threat, right, to him. He didn't, doesn't even, the Bible says he didn't even know who Joseph was, didn't even know who they were, but all he saw was this threat. Um, and so he devises a plan, and this is where, where, the, um, where the plot really starts to thicken. In verse 11, it says, therefore, he said, taskmasters, we read this already, but he wrote, he said, taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And, and he put them to work. Um, he put them to, to work, and they, they basically were, were their slave labor, building their, their great cities, Python and Ramses. Um, and the, the, the problem grew 
even more in the eyes of the king. And we see in verse 12, but the, because as they were afflicting them, right, it says, but the more they afflicted them, the Egyptians afflicting the children of Israel, the more they multiplied, the children of Israel, the more they multiplied and grew. And they, the Egyptians, were in dread of the children of Israel. They're like, man, what else can we do? We're trying to snuff this out. And, um, and you guys know this, right? You guys know this from history, from Bible history and throughout history. The nation of Israel, God has always preserved them. I don't know if you guys see it. There's always someone who steps up and wants to wipe out the Jewish people, right? That's just, that is just what you see throughout history. So what's the new solution? Because they're, they're not... Um, they're not like, oh, man, got this heavy burden and all this stuff. That, that word uh, rigor means like they, were, they had to serve um, these taskmasters, their, their boss, so to speak, right? Their slave masters, uh, with, and they're harsh with them. The, the word rigor can be translated harshness. And so they're, they're, just, they're, just, mean, they're just mean people, right? <laughs> they're just being mean. And so, uh, but that's not working, they're actually growing mightier. That's what the Bible says. And so what's the new solution? In verse 13 and 14, it says, So the Egyptians made the children of Israel, um, of Israel serve with rigor. They made, them, uh, made their lives bitter and hard, uh, bondage in mortar and brick. So again, they put them to work. So this wasn't enough. So I'm not going to read it to you, but in verses 15 through 19, the pharaoh or the king of Egypt says, you know what? We're just going to start killing them right at birth. He says every male child that's born in there, he directs the, the midwives, the, the women helping in the birthing process, that, hey, if it's a boy, you, you, you see that it's a boy right away, kill him, snuff him out. The only problem was the midwives feared God. And that's what the Bible says. They feared God, and they were like, no, we're not, that's not right. We're not going to kill an innocent life like that. And they didn't do it. And they made up a lie, right? But it was to save a life, you know, and um, the lives of, the, of these children. So uh, um, as a result of, uh, of, the, of that, um, how, do, how do I explain it? As, as, uh, as a result of their obedience to God and fearing God, Basically, God blessed him. If you read in verses 20 and 21 of that first chapter, God, uh, God blessed the, the midwives and he established their homes, which means he, um, he gave them children as well. So they, they were being, um, and he dealt well with them, the Bible says. So just like you guys might know this about uh, someone who really doesn't like you, if you ever had that in your life, that doesn't stop them. Uh, the king or the pharaoh uh, basically makes a proclamation through the land. And he says, all right, now any male child that's, that's born, cast him into the, to the river. And so it's like, there's no, you don't have to do any bloody work, just throw him in the river. Um, and, he, and he tells everyone, everyone this. And, and verse 22, it says, So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So just a little side note on this. You notice that the, 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 the two groups here, those are the, the people who fear God and those 
who fear people or people groups. And the ones who fear God, the, um, the midwives, children of Israel, they're being blessed in this story, um, and they're multiplying. The ones who fear people or people groups, you know, the, the Egyptian ruler there, they're continually becoming more what? Wicked, right? They're, they're, they're not like, oh, man, we learned our lesson. Oh, that's not going to work. We better just walk away. It doesn't work that. They, they just like, we're just going to increase. We're going to keep not, uh, ramping up that, that, um, that persecution and that, um, that um, evilness toward them. I don't know if any, if any of this is ringing true with you guys when it comes, to, when, you, when you hear, um, when, when you think of this in context of our culture today, in our world today. Just want to keep, kind of keep that in the back of your mind when you're hearing some of these things because it seems like human nature and evil hasn't changed in quite some time, right? So that's the backdrop for where Moses is born. And so Moses' life can be broke up in three, three sections, three 40-year sections, okay? He had his early years in Egypt, 40 years. He, uh, uh, and then he had uh, 40 years in the, in the desert as a shepherd, Okay, that's another 40 years. And then those last 40 is leading the children of Israel to the promised land. That was out of Egypt and into the promised land. Well, guess what? We're going to cover 80 years today. You guys ready? Well, thankfully for you and me, the Bible doesn't say much about those, those first 80 years. Okay? So here's Moses. He enters into this. So he would have been one of those children that you would have thrown him into the river. Basically, that's what he, he, his household would have been commanded to do. He was born a son, a male of his household, and it would be like, okay, dump him in the river. Well, guess what? His mom did that with a little bit of an exception. If you read in Exodus 2, 3 through 4, it says, but when she could no longer, this is Moses' mom, no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrush, bulrushes, from him, uh, for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, but uh, put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know, excuse me, what would be would be uh, done to him. So she did it, but she was like, "Well, let's trust God in this." You know, that's a, I kind of like that because I I could go off on a whole sermon on faith, right? She was just like, you know what, I'm just going to make this and God, your hand be upon it, right? And she, and she wasn't right. She wasn't wrong um, because that's exactly God's going to use her faithfulness in this. So, again, that would be a little side note for you moms, you know. As we raise our kids, you know, um, we do have to turn them over to the world, but, but you know what, we're raising them in the, in the ways of the Lord and, and praying that God will use them and, God is going to use Moses. So what happens in the story? You guys kind of know the story. He becomes the prince of Egypt, right? What's that Disney movie, right? Right? And he gets a magical coat. No, that's Joseph. No. <laughs> he, he gets, he's found. He's, he floats down the river. And who should he, he you know, uh, float down to? He floats down to exactly um, uh, where the, the princess of Pharaoh was bathing, having her morning bath. And she sees this baby, and she goes, oh, it must be one of the children of Israel. They're one of their babies. And she looks at him, and she was just like, oh, he's beautiful. 
right? So Moses was a good-looking baby, I guess. And so he, uh, so he, he, uh, he does that. And then so, so what we see in the first 40 years of his life is that he is around, this is in verses two, uh, chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, we see that he's around his family. He gets to grow up around his family. His mom actually gets to nurse him, right? Actually gets to be brought up in his, in his home. Uh, and that he was considered the princess's son. So he would be considered, you know, a son of uh, a, a prince of Pharaoh of Egypt. And that's in verse uh, 10 of chapter 2. So Moses grew up as royalty. That did not, um, that did not um, change his view of, of the situation his, the children of Israel were in, though. We, we see in the rest of the, the chapter, um, verses 11 through 15, that Moses actually sees an injustice happening from an Egyptian taskmaster um, doing harm to, to a Hebrew or a, children, a child of, uh, of Israel, children of Israel, and he takes action. He takes the action of actually killing that Egyptian. And because he feared that it would be found out and, uh, by Pharaoh, and it was found out by Pharaoh, he basically flees. And so that's his first 40 years of his life. Not much there, right? Um, the next 40 years, we see he, he goes to the land of Midian. In this, and he, be, he gets married, he has a child, and he becomes a shepherd. And that's in verses 16 through 22. Whew. Almost through two chapters. And that was my disappearing trick. All right, another 40, year, another 40 years gone, 80 years, boom, killed it, knocked it out, bam. Now, here's where we pick up our story. This is where, this is where we see God's interaction with Moses. We, we, in 80 years, granted, it was a few verses, in 80 years, we hear nothing of God's relationship with Moses whatsoever. 80 years of his life. Uh, we see that, obviously, Moses wasn't blind to the injustices because we, we see that action on his part. And we see he's human just like us because he feared uh, the, rep, uh, the re- repercussions of that and fled. So we pick up the story here in Exodus, and this is kind of going to launch us into chapter 3. This is in verses 23 through 25. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. You know, I really like this. Um, Sometimes we can... We, we get the story, right? We, 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 we got the background. We see that the, the, the problem is, is, is these, these people need help. They, they, need, they need to be freed from this bondage. Uh, and there's a struggle going on. And, and God so often, he, he, he raises someone up, and that's what he's going to do with Moses. But in that time, when they are still struggling, before Moses comes on the scene, what's going on? God's hearing them, and, and he hears their cry. He remembers them. It's not like he forgot, oh, oh, my people, they're down, and he's, oh, slipped my mind. 
it's not that. It's more of like a, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And, and, and just to, for you guys, again, just to take courage. Sometimes we could be going through some really tough times, and sometimes we, we see things that are happening around us that are, are pretty bad, and, and we, we think God doesn't hear us, but he does. And um, I heard their groans. Read it. It's right there. He remembered, and God looked and acknowledged. You can put up slide two. I like this. This is kind of a reminder for us. Psalm 34, 17, it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. So here we go. The, the plot thickens. The people are crying out, and God, God's about to deliver them. And, and here's his man, right? That was a long intro, sorry. Um, so the solution here is Moses. This is the part that I really, really like. Um, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Um, you saw God's hand and how he preserved Moses through his mom, through his mom's faithfulness. And um, we're going to see here when God interacts with Moses uh, in chapter 3, it, it, it's during the very ordinary things that Moses is doing in his life. So that's where we're going to pick up and read. So read with me if you would. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. By the way, coolest name, Jethro. Uh, the priest of Midian. And he's got this, like, cool title. Priest of Midian. Uh, it sounds tough. And he, and he, and he led, the, led the flock um, to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold... The bush was burning with fire, um, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, you know what? I think I'm going to turn aside. <laughs> I, will t- I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. I mean, that's like, it's almost like a commercial, right? Oh, burning bush. I better turn aside and see what's going on. God, God often does this, guys. God often does this. Very ordinary things that are going on in our life. At your, at your job, in your neighborhood. Something extraordinary happens. Um, I don't know about you guys, but we were praying this morning, and someone was sharing just how God was talking to him in a dream. And God does that. He tries to get our attention. And um, it's, it's, it's really cool. I like it. God reaches out to us in ways that we have never seen before, and, we are, and when we are not necessarily looking for them, I'm going to repeat, repeat that. God reaches out to us in ways that we have never seen before and when we are not necessarily looking for him. How many times have you, like, the mundane, I think of, like, movies. You guys ever watch a movie and it just, like, hits you? And it's like, it just, like, reminds you of, like, something, like a, something that God had done in your life? Um, I'll watch Disney movies with, with my son, and sometimes I'll just like, man, that's so true. That's totally God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You guys are funny. You're like, yeah, you got to find out who you are in Christ. You know, but it's, and it's always so girl. I'm like, how am I relating to this, like, girl who's, like, finding her voice or whatever, you know. 
I think it's cool. I think it's, it's, it's real. I mean, if you're thinking of like in Christ, right? Obviously, you put the, the God spin on it, but it's a cool principle. Anyways, uh, anyways but God meets us. He, he'll talk to us during just mundane things, you know? Um, my kids used to say, and I don't want to embarrass them, but I won't say specifics what they say, but um, not, not in front of them. No, uh, but they, but uh, we would talk, and and we would just be talking about something just very simple and plain, and and they would say something, and it was like, oh man, that's the truth of God, and it would like strike me. It's like, man, that's God like, or they'd be asking me a question about something, it has nothing to do with God, and I'm explaining it to them, I'm like, oh, that's totally God. God does that; He tries to get our attention. Um. God doesn't, God, or God didn't in this case with Moses just pull him aside and say, hey, Moses, here, I got to talk to you. He did this thing to catch his attention. He provides that reaching out. He provides that, that burning bush, and I don't know what it is in your life. It might not be something that radical, but um, he does something to get our attention. In the, and a good reminder is that in the midst of our life, God is speaking. In the midst of your life, God is speaking. What is our response? How do we hear if, if we don't draw near? Uh, I like Mo's response. I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So step one in, in Moses hearing God's call was his uh, receptiveness to the call of God in something out of the ordinary. Um, remember... Um, I don't want to go down that road. Okay, I will. There, uh, when Hurricane Katrina, I'm really old, so you guys who are younger, bear with me. When Hurricane Katrina hit, um, God specifically was speaking to me about it. And I used to listen to the radio all the time, and I drove a ton. And, and everyone was saying it wasn't going to be something big. And God kept on telling me, no, this is going to be something big. Be ready. And I'm like, okay. And it was. It was it was horrible. That was the worst they had seen in that region since the sixties, I want to say, and it decimated that whole area. And so I'm like, okay, God, why would you put that on my heart? And what happened was we ended up putting together a relief team. And when I was talking to my wife about it, Nikki, I I, I was sharing with her before they even put the relief team together and then the release team was put together, and, she, and she's all, oh, are you going to go? I'm like, uh, that's what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> you know, because it was like, well, God, why did you do that? So, but God does that, right, as we're, as we're, as we're trying, to, trying to listen. So that first, the first step was he was receptive. He could have just, like, said, man, that's weird, right? I've never seen anything like that before, and just walk away. Could have, really. I, I get like that with homeless people sometimes. I'll see a homeless person, and I'm like, how can I help this person? And then they'll like they'll start jibber jabbering or whatever. You're like, oh, walk away. <laughs> right? I'm just being honest. And you're like, oh, do I really want to engage in this? But you never know who you're entertaining. You might be entertaining an angel. Um, so he gets it. He gets his uh, something out of the ordinary. He, he, you notice in those verses, he he looked and he turned his attention away. 
um, from what he was doing, tending the sheep and looking after the sheep. And then step two of Moses responding to God's call, to most credit, he, he turned, turned aside. He, he not only just looked, but he actually said, I'm going to actually start moving in that direction. And we have to do that. If God's talking to us about something, anything, we've got, we've got, to, we've got to look in further. We have to investigate. So we're receptive to hearing directly from God. Are we turning aside to see what God wants to do through this whole burning bush in your life, in my life? And then step three, if you read with me in verse four, it says, so when the Lord saw that he, Moses, turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he, being Moses, said, here I am. So we got, he got our attention. We're receptive, receptive to the things of God. We're actually heading towards that direction because we, we know where he's, at, where he's at. And this is the cool part. The, the, more, the more we start getting close to him, the louder the voice becomes, right? And now he's calling us by name. It's not just like this burning bush. Now the burning bush is saying, hey, Jared, I need to tell you something. I'm like, okay, the burning bush is talking to me. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a, like a The Muppet Show, right? You're like, like a flannel board. You're like, ooh, a little like, I don't know. It seems like that's something super out of the ordinary, right? You don't see a bush that doesn't, isn't consumed with fire, and then it starts talking to you. That, I'm sorry, I might have been like, I'm out. <laughs> that's enough for me. And you know my name? That's really weird. They, I mean, they don't have TV. Now, you guys who are younger, you're like, oh, man, there's all kinds of deep fakes out there, and YouTube, you can pretty much do anything on YouTube, you know, all this stuff, and, and all these different things that you can fake out your friends with, but Dude, that, they didn't have that, so that would, I mean, to me, that would have freaked me out. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure even now with technology that we have, that would still freak me out. So, so don't do that to me. <laughs> uh, so he's, when God sees us turning tor- towards him, he, 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 um, he, he starts speaking louder. And, but but it, it has to start with the first two steps, right? Are we listening? Are we being receptive? Um, are we turning aside when God's got our attention? And then are we, or do we keep going in that direction? Let's take a look at verse 5 in our story. It says, then he said, do not, uh, this is God. He said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look upon God. So did you know God is holy? If we draw near to God, we need to get on that same ground. Did you know we can't stand in our own righteousness before God? We have to approach God with the righteousness afforded to us through the work of Christ. Also, did you know when we draw near to God, he reveals our sin? In the light of God's perfection, we will often see our flaws. So step four of Moses being called is understanding who he's being called by, right? You know, um, it, it, again, it, in that 80 years, it doesn't say that Moses has this great understanding of who God is. And, and it wasn't, they didn't have a pocket Old Testament, right? <laughs> he's like living the Old Testament right now. 
They didn't have a Bible. Um, they didn't even have the law, the law of Moses. This is the guy who's going to, God's going to write it through. Um, they don't have that. So their interactions with, with God uh, were, um, and their understanding of God was usually, and it's still kind of like this in Jewish culture, it's, it's uh, oral tradition. It's the passing on the stories from, uh, to children, from grandpa's knee to children, right? You know, fathers to sons, grandpas to grandchildren. And that's how they're, it's called oral tradition. That's how they would know who that is. Um, and here, he, you know, God gets really specific with them and says, first of all, you need to know that I'm holy. And where you're about to step is a holy ground. And, and you guys know this as, as we draw near to God, right? What's James who says, you know, draw, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, but he says, cleanse your hands, right? There's, there's this shedding of things. And in Moses' life, God wanted to make this point that, hey, when you're in my presence, I want you to take off your shoes. And it's, you know, and you're like, that's kind of a strange thing. But I think it's more of that, it, 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 it gets you into the understanding. It's the same reason why people close their eyes when we worship. It's the same reason why um, we close our eyes when we pray. It's that you're, you're going into a different place. And, um, and you're going into the presence of the creator of everything. And he says, it's holy ground, take off your sandals. There is, there is a process as, as we draw near to God. And, and the process is very similar to salvation. There's a call and response. When, when you don't know Jesus Christ, and um, if you don't, again, I pray that you do that today. When you don't know Jesus Christ and he reveals himself to you, the first thing he convicts you of is the fact that you're a sinner, right? Or maybe that he's real. You're like, oh man, you have this profound understanding that God is real. And he gets your attention to acknowledge him. And then he says, oh, by the way, you've been breaking my laws. <laughs> and your spirit that God has placed in your life since you were born, here's the spirit of God speaking to it. And then there's this conviction that happens. And now you have to make a decision. Am I going to respond to that, that voice? Am I going to, um, the call's there? Am I going to respond? Or am I going to take off the other way? And so what happens, you know, hopefully if you've, been, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you, you give in to that and you say, you know what? I am a sinner. You realize who you are before holy God and that you need forgiveness of your sins. And God says, perfect, it's my son Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, that's the good news, is that you're not going to be punished for your sins. You're not going to be going to hell, but you're, you'll be forgiven. And better than that, you get to go to heaven. You get to be in eternity with the person who loves you and who died for you, so you could be there. And so that same process is here in our story. When, when we're being called and we're hearing God, when we're drawing near to God, there's always a call and response. God's always speaking. I don't know if you guys know that. God is always speaking. He always wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Do we, are we receptive to it? Are we drawing near to it? Are we turning aside and looking into it deeper? And then when we get there, do we realize, oh, man, <laughs> this is God talking to me. And that's what Moses figures out. Oh, man, this is God talking to me. He says, you know what, take some stuff off. Right? And that's always a process. There's always a letting go of certain things when God's saying, hey, I want to do something, but I want you to let this go. 
right? Take off the sandals. And, and, and that's not a, a person coming up to you and saying, hey, you need to do this, because that could be some weird trip, okay? The Bible's pretty clear about certain things that we're not supposed to be doing, right? And things that we don't need in our life and that hinder us in our walk with God. But this is a personal thing where God's saying, this specific thing, Moses, take off your sandals. Why my sandals? I, I don't, throughout the rest of the story, I've read it, God doesn't have him take off his sandals, <laughs> right? So I don't, it's just this one thing, and God will do that. God will tell you, hey, you need to lay that down. You need to get rid of that, and he'll do that, and that's a God thing, and you've got to let him do that. It makes the process easier. Another thing is he got really got nervous there, and he hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. And again, this is probably just because of their, their knowledge of, of who God is and their experience with God, right? We know God is a loving father, and it's true, but when you have something like that where he's like, okay, the bush is burning, it starts talking, okay, that was kind of strange, something weird's going on, but then he says, no, 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 I am the father, I am the, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and he starts going down, and you're like, oh, no, I've heard this story. <laughs> Mom told me this story. <laughs> That's Yahweh. That's Jehovah. That is almighty God. And that's who's speaking to me. And I don't know about you guys, but when, when God speaks to me in, in that way, it, it, it instantly, I mean, I don't, like, oh, man, I'm reading through my Bible and God starts convicting me hard and I don't hide, you know, but it's the same effect, right? We realize, oh, man, I, I can't hide from God, <laughs> right? But you feel like it. You're like, oh, man, God, if you just didn't show me that. But, but he's revealing himself to Moses, and it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, but it, it's, um, he, ha- he has to respond. And that's actually another, as you see through the Old Testament, uh, Adam and Eve, when they, you know, when they fell in the garden, not like tripped and fell, but where they uh, partake of the tree that they weren't supposed to pay, uh, per, uh, partake of. Uh, so they sinned against God. They disobeyed God's, God's word. Uh, when God came, it says he, God was walking in the cool of the day in the garden. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve did? They hid. They're like, oh, man, why? Because they realized they were sinners, that they had broken what they had. And so that that was their immediate thing. I don't know if you you guys, but uh, I still have a younger one, but when my kids were younger and something happened, (laughs) sometimes it wasn't always easy for them to fess up right away. (laughs) uh, I don't don't know. I do with my wife. uh, I'm notorious for this. I'll like break a a dish or something like that, like something that she really likes because I'm a clumsy guy. And and, and I'll forget to tell her. She's like, you didn't tell her? I'm like, oh, I just figured, (laughs) you know, that I'm stuck. I'm like, I feel like hiding at that point. It's kind of the same experience, right? It's like, um, he, he hides himself. Uh, so let, now here's the, the, the last part here. We're going to start wrapping it up here. Um, in verses 7 through 10, it says, The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. So now, so now basically God is going to break down. Okay, okay, you know who I am now. You understand that this is serious business. You understand that I'm talking to you. Um, now I'm going to tell you what's, what's happening and why I want, I'm talking to you in this way. He says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them 
out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also the, seen the oppression which, uh, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my, peop- my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Um, so God now is not speaking to uh, Moses in generalities. He's, he's giving full, full detail of what exactly it is he, he wants to do, the specific task that he wants him to do. And we'll, we'll end with this. This is, the, this is uh, step five that um, in this process that God is with us. In verse 11, it says, um, I'm going to read this. It's going to be a long reading, okay? But I swear I won't comment on it too much. Verses 11 through 22, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. This is God saying this to, to Moses. And this shall be a sign that, you, that, that I have sent you. When you have uh, brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, I, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you, and they, uh, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children uh, of Israel, the Lord um, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and this is my memorial to all uh, generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and, the, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you. And I'm adding uh, inflection, if you guys catch on to it. I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the, out of the affliction of Egypt and the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the ites. To the land of uh, flowing with milk and honey, then they, uh, then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and say to them, uh, say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now, please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand. And strike Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in the midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of, a, of the, her neighbor, namely of her, of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians." So, right away, Moses says, how's this going to happen? <laughs> and you guys would uh, do the same thing, but then again, you might have said, man, the, the, you made a bush not be consumed by fire, and you started talking out of it, and now I'm, like, talking to a burning bush right now. So, um, 
I guess you could do it. But God reassures him, and he says he's basically going to be with him, right? But um, the main point is he reassures Moses that uh, it's not Moses who's going to be doing it. That's why he added all the inflections, the eyes. I will, I will, I will. God's saying all the things that he's going to do. And, and again, in any type of task, whatever it is that God uh, maybe has put on your heart or put a burden on your heart, you got to know this, that it's got to be him. It's got to be the Lord. If, if, we're, if we're doing it in our own strength, like, okay, God, I'm, you got my attention, I'm listening. And, and we say, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this, and, and we're supplying the power. Who gets the glory in the end? Right? We do, right? People go, oh, man, you were amazing, right? Great effort. <laughs> Thanks. You know, and then, and then the problem is that's not who's supposed to get the glory. God's supposed to get the glory. And sometimes in God's calling of us, uh, uh, calling us to do, do something, a task, and uh, it's, I'm not saying, you know, um, deliver people from Egypt, you know. Um, whatever God calls you to do, how big, grand, sim- simple, uh, small, large, you name it, it it's, it's got to be the Lord supplying that power. And uh, we'll get to that last slide here. It's in Zechariah 4, 6. It says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord as a Rebbebel, not by, uh, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so God's telling him, hey, you know what? I'm going to do it. I got this, Moses. I got this. Um, uh, I, I'm going to be doing that way. And, that, and that's kind of reassuring. I don't know about you guys, but there, um, just to hearken back to um, that, that situation or that uh, that relief uh, in Katrina, I had no way of getting there. We had to pay, you had to pay for your own tickets to get there. And I really didn't have uh, a way of getting there, but I knew God wanted me to um, do it. And I said, okay, I'm believing God for this. I, probably a week later, oh, I heard you're going to go on a mission trip. Yeah, just random person calls. Hey, I want to pay for your flight. Okay. And again, is that my power, my ingenuity? No, I don't even think I told the person. So I don't know. My wife's really social. I'm not. <laughs> I kind of keep things to myself. I'm like, okay, God, if you're going to do it, it's like, well, why don't you? <laughs> so, but anyways, some randomly, while we were there, same thing. Bill popped up out of nowhere. We don't have money to pay for this. Some lady heard that we were there. Uh, the, the pastor had shared uh, we, we were gone for an extended time. And the pastor had shared, yeah, these guys are doing this hurricane relief stuff. And she came up after. She goes, uh, hey, Nikki, that's my wife. Um, you know, the Lord told me to put, uh, uh, to give you guys some money. Like, really? $60. Like, oh, the bill was like $61.38. Like, oh, we can cover the $1.38, I guess. <laughs> but it was like, and, and that's humbling. That's real humbling because God, he hears, right? We, we, we learned that. He, he, he hears us and he knows and and, and if he calls you to something, it's going to be by his power that you're going to get it done. And, and that's, that's when it's going to be sweet. That's when it's going to be good. I'm going to call the worship team back up. Sorry to take up so much time. Um, so what, what does it all mean? Um, Moses was, he was a man set in history. And, he, and, uh, and um, God um, gave him a task, um, we saw earlier in his life that he had a burden 
uh, for his people enough to where he was willing to take action to where he actually struck out um, in his own effort to and killed an Egyptian to, to get justice, right? Um, and God had a different way of doing it, right? God, God's going to do it a, a different way. Um, and he's going to use Moses if you read the rest of the story. And I don't know how you, you, you relate that in your, in your life. Um, um, how, how you, in, in your, how that looks in your own life. But uh, just consider some of those things because I, I, um, um, I'll say this one more time. God uses ordinary people to do amazing things. Mo- Moses was an ordinary person. A shepherd, in fact, in Egypt, uh, shepherds um, had their own, like, little place they stayed. They didn't want, shepherds were not <laughs> looked upon as some great nobility. And he went from roi- royalty to being a shepherd. But um, God's going to use him mightily. You guys know the rest of the story. Um, ordinary people God will use. Let's, let's pray. God, what's, um, we're thankful for you, God. We're, we're thankful, um, uh, I'm thankful because I'm ordinary, <laughs> so I'm uh, included, uh, uh, or I'm, uh, I'm eligible for uh, use, um, so, so thank you for that. Um, I, I pray for my church family here, Lord. I pray that if there's the, just anything, um, God, that maybe you've uh, used, used as we've read through these scriptures and and looked at um, God's calling in Moses' life. Um, if, if it's speaking to someone and there's something specific that you're speaking, Lord, I pray, um, God, they would they would turn aside. They would they would take off those sandals, Lord. They would they would go and receive more instruction from you, God, because you want to do amazing things, and we know that. And you use ordinary people, so thank you. Um, and but there is always a call and response. We can hear it, but we have to respond. Um, God, I also pray. If anyone here doesn't know you, God, maybe they, they don't know this relationship with Yahweh. They don't know uh, that there is a God who loves them, that is desperate for them, so desperate that um, he was willing to uh, give his only son to die for them. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know that truth, hasn't received that truth, hasn't given their life to you, Jesus, I pray that they would do that now. And, and if that's you, uh, maybe you're watching this later, or maybe you're here, and and that's you. You just—it's real simple. If you want to give your life to Jesus, it, it's, it's simple. He says, "Look, you just you just come to me. You say, you admit, like we talked about. God, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm not sinning against my mom or my dad or my friend or my my boss. I, I'm a I'm a sinner before you, and I I need forgiveness of my sins. And I know that the only way I can be forgiven is if I admit to you that I'm a sinner and that I need your son to forgive me. And I thank you for the life he gave on the cross. And I, and I just uh, pray that you would forgive me. I repent of my sins. Help me to walk with you. And if that's you, and you've said that in your heart, you've spoken out loud, the Bible says you will be saved. Thank you, God, for that promise.